0: This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, episode number 298, Pacing Your Race. Today we're talking about how not all races have to be about performance. There are multiple reasons you can run a race, and each of those should be approached differently. Unfortunately, we see so many runners think that every race they run needs to be an attempt at a PR, and they feel disappointed when they don't set a new personal record at every race that can really suck the joy out of running pretty quickly. So today we wanna talk about several purposes behind races and how to pace each one for success and the most satisfaction. So if that sounds interesting, stay tuned. If you're looking for ways to bring more joy into your running and you want to be a physically and mentally stronger runner, you're in the right place.
1: This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we are your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now, let's get running.
0: All right. So, today we're talking about pacing and how to pace for different types of races. And before we jump into some of the training that we want to talk about today, it's important for you to get clear on why you're running a race in the first place. And this is one of the things I don't think a lot of runners even realize that there are different purposes or that there can be different purposes for running a race.
1: It just reminds me of, rocky the one with mr t in it Uh, do you have any predictions for the any predictions for the fight and he just looks at the reporter and goes pain (laughs) (laughs) why does
0: that remind you of it
1: because so many people go into a race and that's what they have in their mind i'm gonna push myself really really hard this is going to be incredibly uncomfortable because it's a race and that's Mm -hmm. that's what a race is supposed to be is just super super uncomfortable but there's so many reasons that you could race Mm -hmm. and many of them don't have anything to do with physical pain at all
0: i'm don't i do not they. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah?
1: Yeah, no, (laughs) I'm quite confident in that one.
0: (laughs) So that's the thing that, you know, we want to really kind of dig into today is number one, there are different, Purposes for racing. You don't have to race in order to get a PR every time. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that we see so many runners making is thinking that they have to run a race or they have to PR if they run a race or that it's not worth signing up for a race if you're not trying to PR.
1: Right. Like you don't have to PR, yeah. but you have to at least be trying for one. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be given a, a good solid shot yeah. of trying to run the fastest that you've ever run in your life at mm-hmm. that particular distance, which Seems tiring.
0: It seems tiring, and it can really quickly suck a lot of the joy out of running. So, today, let's talk about three different reasons that you might run a race, three different purposes for races. And then we're going to talk about pacing for those different purposes, because that's really the first step is understanding why you're running a race in the first place. You know, are you trying to see how you're going to perform? Are you trying to set a personal record? Are you running a race just for fun? Are you running a race in preparation for another race? Like those are the three main categories that we're going to talk about today. So let's talk about first, the fact that you can run a race for fun. Races can just be for fun and for the experience.
1: Yes, which makes pacing that race. By the way, the the title of this should really is is pacing and racing.
0: Pacing and racing? Or
1: racing and pacing. I don't know, either way, it rhymes and that's (laughs) fantastic. but the whole idea that you could run and just enjoy the entire thing start to finish. And if it feels uncomfortable, you could slow down. You could take a walking break and just actually enjoy every bit of the experience Yeah, for a long time was completely beyond my mental capacity.
0: It was beyond me too until I did it. And then it was amazing. <laughs> it
1: was amazing. Yeah.
0: So this was one of the mistakes that I for sure fell into, especially at the beginning of my running career, but I still find myself going like falling into this mentality. So I mean, we're going to talk about this today, but I want you guys to also know that just because we're talking about it and just because we can explain this to you does not mean that we have this a hundred percent mastered either. Like I still find myself falling into some of these traps because I'm still a runner, right? And I, can, I catch myself and I can pull myself out of them much more quickly. But like our brains sometimes are just so funny, like thinking like, well, why would I sign up for a race? Why would I spend money yep. on a race to just go out and run for fun? And why would I do that and not try to PR? And I think that this is one of the big things that a lot of runners do is that they just try to PR at every race. And that just leads to so much disappointment and frustration. So just knowing that races can be just for fun. Is something that can really lighten the load and lighten the pressure. On races because I think so many people put so much pressure on themselves yeah, totally. to perform at a race. They're like, well, if I'm putting a, a bib on my chest or on my stomach, and um, I need to go out there and I need to do my best. I need to give my best and push my hardest. And it doesn't have to be that way. And we are giving you permission, not that you need it, right? Especially not from us, but you have permission to just go out and have a good time and just have fun at a race. Like you don't have to race. Every race, you don't have to go out and try to get your best time ever, every single race that you run, just because you have a number on your chest does not mean that you have to go out and push yourself until you feel like you need to, you know, lie down as soon as you cross the finish line.
1: Yeah. Every race does not have to be followed by (laughs) like... three days, maybe three weeks of recovery. Mm -hmm. Like you could go out and just enjoy the thing and then slide right back into your normal running routine. Mm -hmm. Like it's completely fine. And some people are like, well, how would I ever just put a fun race on the weekend? That's when my long run goes. And then my training plan is completely thrown out the window. No, no, it's not. It's just going to be a fun thing. You're going to do on the weekend. It's going to be great. It's going to kind of mix up your whole training schedule thing because you're just doing something fun on the weekend Mm -hmm. where you get to enjoy the running community you don't have to grind the other runners in the community into the ground and yeah. try and out kick them and throw elbows like you you don't you can just go out and enjoy the whole thing i don't think it,
0: most people do that anyway it's just I was you kind
1: of looking at you yeah. really <laughs>
0: <laughs> huh.
1: either way um but if, for the, you can you can just go out and enjoy the whole community. There are some of the 5Ks that we used to do when back when we raced a little more often. It's kind of gotten out of our racing routine, but there were some races that it didn't matter which one it was. There were a few guys in the local running community, they were at every single race. Mm -hmm. Like There are a few people that definitely show up at every single race they possibly can.
0: Unfortunately, one of them used to wear a Speedo.
1: Yeah, and tuck a water bottle into the back of it.
0: That was not a good look. But
1: there are a few guys that if it's in our county yeah like if it's anywhere in the county they're gonna show up at it Mm -hmm. and and that's because they they have fun with it and then they're one of the last people leaving the like post-run festivities
0: Mm -hmm. also yeah because they just really enjoy it and I think that this was um like for me like one of the first times that I did this was When I took a girl's trip out to Napa Valley, like my friends and I decided for one of our friends' birthdays, it was her 40th birthday. We were going to go out and we were going to run the Napa to Sonoma half marathon, which was so much fun. And I was training for this and you know, so I trained for it. I did long runs and I followed a training plan and everything like that. But I decided ahead of time that on race day, I was just going to go out and enjoy the experience. Right. And I was going to run the race with my friends, regardless of what that pace was. Like, I didn't care if we wanted to stop along the way. I didn't care if we wanted to slow down along the way. Like the time on the clock did not matter to me at all because we heard that they were supposed to be wine along the, course, along the course. right? And I was like, well, how fun would that be? You know, like to do wine tastings as I'm running a half marathon. Like I wonder how my body's going to respond to that. Right.
1: Every marathon I've ever, I've ever run has beer tastings along the course. They're not really technically part of the course as much as it's a dude at the end of his driveway with a cooler, but still beer Mm -hmm. tasting, I think.
0: Beer tasting. Yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, like in that race, we actually had to stop for like a train or traffic, like, and it, Thank goodness I wasn't, I didn't care about the time, right? Because that took about two minutes off of um, our, our time. We were just literally standing there waiting for, waiting for, for the, the traffic, the it. train to pass by. Um, so, but the people that were racing that race were getting really, really mad. I bet because you really were
1: really awfully close to the two hour. I was pl- right at,
0: yeah, because I ran like a 201. Right. So that two minutes would have put us sub two. So everybody else around us was running that pace as well.
1: Right. Who were, who, some of whom yeah. were actively trying to probably break two hours for right. maybe the first time ever. Right. And then a train shows up in front of
0: not them. cool. Right. But for me, it was totally fine. And we was like, Oh, this is a nice little break here. Like, oh, let's nice just hang out break. here. <laughs> right. And we found some alpacas along the way and we stopped and took pictures with alpacas. And it was just so fun. And it was, it's really one of my favorite Half marathon memories, and I did one. You know, I did the whole thing like side by side with a, a good friend of mine, and it was just so much fun to just be out in Napa Valley. Like the scenery, the rolling hills, the vineyards, it was so gorgeous. And just being able to enjoy all of that made that run so worthwhile. Even though I didn't hit a PR in that race,
1: right? One, of the, but you had decided beforehand. Yep that it was going to be for pure enjoyment Mm -hmm. because you're with a group. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's one of the things that helps you sort of make sure that you're focusing on the fun aspect is you wanted to stay with your group the entire time. So if it slowed down a little bit, you were going to stay Mm -hmm. with your group and it made sure that you weren't worried at all about the clock. Sometimes if you're coming back from like an injury or an illness and you're like, well, I've signed up for this race, I'm just going, but I'm definitely not in shape to even attempt running a personal Mm -hmm. record at it. Why don't I just go enjoy the experience a whole heck of a lot? Yeah.
0: Well, and it's funny because this that shows like the example that I just gave really does show how I have. Progress in my thinking because I used to look at people that ran Disney. I think Disney is a great example of of this as well, right? All of the Disney races, there are character stops along the way where people stop and take pictures. And I remember when I first got into running and first got into racing, seeing these pictures of girls in my running group that would go run Disney and they have all of these pictures with all the characters. And I'm like, what the heck are they doing? doing? Why would they stop? For a photo, do they understand how much that time that's taking off of their time? And yeah, they probably did. They just didn't care because to them, it was about the experience. It wasn't about the time on the clock. It was about going out, running through Disney, enjoying all of that, taking the character stops. Like there's lines. There's lines. Like you, it's not just like, oh, you pop in and like take a photo and then keep running. Like there's no, a line wait
1: for, the character for like stops. five
0: to 10 minutes for yeah. some of them, depending on which character it is. And so for them, it's not about. The time, it's about the experience.
1: Which I think it makes for so much fun. Yeah. But you need something that makes the experience worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So running with a group, being able, at like Disney, you get the character yeah. stops. There's a few that are just like gorgeous, scenic races. Mm-hmm. Being in Florida, we there's a few races around us that get named the list of like top sunrise marathons mm-hmm. or half marathons. Um, there's a beautiful course out in California where I came from that you have to run up this awful, awful hill but at the top of it is a dude in a tuxedo and a grand piano playing oh a big sir a big Mm sir so people will stop and take pictures with their group and the guy with the piano that's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. It's all the same thing at the Key West Half Marathon. Like there were so many people that were stopping and taking pictures with the, the Southern, southern point. Point yeah. of the United States. Yeah.
1: I don't really even remember going past that. I, I was I was not doing that one for pure fun. <laughs> I had a blast doing it, but yeah. I was definitely not. that. This, which is the other thing is some of these different categories that we're putting into can blend together. They can. But when you're going just for pure fun, the clock doesn't matter. There are a few things. So a group really enjoying the, the surroundings, I think a relay mm-hmm. that kind of like takes you out of your normal race thing, Yeah, especially if you have a relay where different people in the, on your group are at different abilities, mm-hmm. like, um, that, that can yeah. be like, all right, well, I'm going to run as fast as I can, but then I'm handing it off to this person and I'm, I have no control over right. how fast they're going or theme races where Mm -hmm. if you're in a costume, you're going to have more fun.
0: Yeah. So there's lots of reasons that you can just go out and run to have fun or just to enjoy the experience. And so if you're trying to pace those races, there's not really a pacing strategy that you need to worry about. The pace should probably be easy most of the time. Like L2, L3 is a great way to run a race like that. If you want to push yourself a little bit during the race, go for it. If that seems fun to you, go for it. But there's not really like a quote unquote pacing strategy that we would suggest if you're just going out to run for fun. Yeah.
1: And if you're doing a trail race and it's got ups and downs and crazy hills and climbs and you're like, you know, it'd be fun. It's a short hill. Let's see if I push up this hill. (laughs) No, not at all. Why don't I walk up this hill? But the downhill looks like fun. Maybe you enjoy the heck out of running fast downhill, walk the ups and just fly down the downhill, bomb the downhills as they like to say.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there's lots of different ways that you can do it. So, Find something that seems fun for you and maybe make running like kind of like what you were just saying with those trails. That's kind of like running like a kid would. Yeah, you know, go kind of get back into your kid days and your kid mentality of like just going out and running for fun. Remember when you were a kid and you used to run everywhere?
1: Of course you did.
0: It's just because, like, to get from here to there, we run. We don't walk. We run because you're a kid. You're what five years old?
1: Of course. And (laughs) if you're running down a hill, you're clearly going to put your arms out to the sides because then it's like you're flying, (laughs) and that's just going to be inherently more fun. Also, sounds
0: like a plan. All right. The second reason or purpose of a run or of a race could be in preparation for another race, okay? So you can run a race in order to prepare for a bigger goal race. And this is one of the categories that I think often gets forgotten. Like a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to run a race for fun or for the experience, or I want to run a race for performance. I want to race a race to see how well I can do. But a lot of people forget this middle one of, You can run a race in preparation for another race as kind of a a time trial, kind of a checkpoint along the way. You can run it and use that race to practice certain things for your bigger goal race. But when people do this, when they put a race into the middle of a training cycle, so say you're training for a half marathon or a marathon and you decide you're going to put another race in in that, you know, 12-week block or 16-week block. Sure. The biggest mistake people make here is trying to race that race before the goal race (laughs) just to see if I can do it, right? And this is one of the reasons that people all the time ask, well, if I'm going to run a marathon, why wouldn't I run a marathon in training for a marathon? Why do I only get up to 18 miles or 16 miles? What, like, how am I, how do I know that I can do that last six miles? And that's a simple answer. You're just going to do it. Like that's just what it is. Right. But understanding that you don't have to run a race before your goal race, just to prove that you can do it because the two things often happen here. Number one, There's a lot of disappointment that can happen because you're not peaked for that race, right? You're training. So say you run a race that, you know, six or eight weeks into your training cycle and you've got a 12-week training cycle, then you're not primed for that race yet. You're primed for it at the end of the 12-week period. So people get disappointed over their performance in that race, and then that causes them to lose confidence yep. for the goal race. Yep. So you're really doing yourself a major disservice.
1: Yeah. You have the preparation race, except <clears> you forget <throat> that it's a preparation race right. and you decide as soon as they shoot off the gun, this is your PR race, mm-hmm. but you're not prepared for it to be your PR race. Right. Maybe you didn't taper for it. You certainly don't have the final like four to six weeks of training mm-hmm. that that is still building is up the pe- for the, the goal p- race. The peak weeks. Yes. Yeah. Like you might be just entering the highest mileage, depending on how the, how the plan works, maybe you've been in high mileage. So your legs are actually really tired going into this prep race. So there's like no chance of preparing for it. Maybe you didn't taper at all. And it's a longer race. Like that's just not Mm -hmm. setting you up for PR. It's setting you up to practice some of the things that will come up during race day. It's not setting you up for a PR. And a lot of people try to combine this one of like, Oh, I'm going to do this as a prep work, but I also kind of sort of want a PR. Yeah. And setting yourself up for disappointment.
0: Right. Or what happens is that you peak too soon before the goal race. So people that are like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to put this race in here, but then I'm actually, I actually do care what my time is. So I am going to actually taper before this race (laughs) and then try to race it, even though this isn't technically my goal race. So what can happen is that you peak too soon before your goal race, and then you don't give yourself enough recovery for your goal race. Or maybe you put that race too close to that goal race. Maybe you put it, you know, two weeks, before, and you don't actually give yourself enough time to recover and allow your body to, um, you know, recover fully before actually trying to hit that goal race, and so you know, that can lead to just a ton of frustration, a a lot of loss of confidence, um, in, in the process in yourself in why you're doing all of this in the first place. So if you're going to use a race in preparation for another race, number one, this is a great idea. Okay. There's just ways that you can do it that make it more effective and that make it a heck of a lot more enjoyable too. Okay. So the first thing you can do is use this as a time trial or checkpoint before a bigger goal race. So usually wh- when you're doing a time trial or a um a checkpoint race you're going to want to choose a race distance that is shorter than your goal race. So for example, if you are training for a marathon, maybe you want to run a half marathon in training for the full marathon. You maybe want to sign up for a half marathon about halfway through your cycle. Sure. Fantastic. Maybe you're training for a half marathon a great checkpoint race would be a 10 K in that case, because it's about half the distance of that half marathon and you can use it to kind of check in and see what, where your pace is. And that will help you to better plan your pacing strategy for race day as well.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Like one of the things that I like to do um, is as I get near Thank you. As I get near the, uh, the, the race itself, maybe a few weeks out have like a much longer workout. Like instead of a long run over the weekend, I'll do like a really long, pretty intense volume workout. Yeah. Instead of that, you can run a race. Like instead of the the big workout heading into your marathon, you could literally run a half marathon. A half marathon is a great prep for a marathon. Mm A 10K is a great prep for a half marathon. Like they're really good workouts in and of themselves. So if it fits the schedule, Mm -hmm. then put the race in, especially if you enjoy the aspect of racing. Now, here's the thing. If racing is super stressful for you, adding this race in instead of like, like a longer workout prep may be a benefit because you kind of get used to the the nerves of race day mm-hmm. without the the pressure of this being like your goal race. Yeah. It also, it might be too stressful for you and maybe this is a bad idea.
0: Yeah. So you have to see how you respond to this for sure. right um, And if you want to use a race as, you know, in preparation for another race, if you choose a race that's shorter, you can definitely race it. You know, that is part of the goal of this time trial or checkpoint. You go out and you actually race this race. So, what we were talking about before where you don't want to race the race before your goal race. That's if you are doing the same distance of the goal race. Yeah.
1: It's if you're running a half marathon in preparation for a half marathon,
0: right? You don't want to race a half marathon before your goal half marathon,
1: right? If you're knocking out a 10 K a month out from your half marathon, you are going for it because you have a month to recover. Like you were really pushing
0: this thing, right? So you want to plan this time trial race about three to six weeks before your goal race race depending on the recovery needed. Okay. So the longer your race, the more recovery you're going to want, mm-hmm. you know, in between this checkpoint race and your goal race. So if you're training for a, a full marathon and you decide that you're going to race a half in preparation, you want to be more on the four to six weeks end of it. Whereas if you're doing a 10 K in prep for a half marathon, you could probably push it to like three weeks.
1: Right. It also depends on what like your overall volume is. Yeah. Like if if you're gonna really push a half marathon, but you're used to on a regular basis running the upper teens. Like if your long run is up to twenty ish, if you're gonna push thirteen, you're gonna be tired. Mm-hmm. You're gonna take a few days to be fully like recovered from that. Yeah. But it's not gonna like crush you. If you're training for a marathon and running thirteen is exhausting, racing thirteen is gonna be super exhausting. So you're gonna need to push that further
0: out. Exactly. So you can definitely use this as that time trial that will help you to understand what your goal pace for your upcoming race could be. So, yes. so can you talk a little bit about how to use your race results in order to determine your pacing strategy or your pacing range of what kind of what you're going for?
1: Sure. So in general, there, there's some formulas that suggest that as you race longer, you're obviously going to slow down. So as you go from like a 10 K to a half marathon, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the same pace. It's going to be a little bit slower. I think it's like 4% every time the distance doubles is Mm -hmm. something roughly to that effect. Yeah. So you can kind of judge of if I'm pushing, there's formulas all over the internet. I'm sure yeah, you, can you can find, find a pace calculator. There's That's the thing. Like if yeah. you literally type in race pace calculator, mm-hmm. you don't want one that says, I ran this for a 10K. If I maintained that pace, what would it be for my half? Because you're going to slow down. You want one that that's very nice. It'll you'd say, I ran this for a 10K. Predict my half marathon or the reverse. My goal is this for a half marathon. Mm-hmm. What should I be aiming for? for for a 10k and it'll give you a good idea of are you in the ballpark for this mm,
0: that's a good way too yeah. yeah that's a really good way to use a pace calculator
1: it, that there's one of the things that that the like the shorter distance races help prep you for of if if you're trying to run let's do like a much shorter thing if you're trying to run say a 5k in 18 minutes so like 6 minute pace mm-hmm. and you go off and you run a mile in 6 and you have to lay on the ground afterwards. Yeah. Your 18-minute 5k is not a good idea. Right. But you didn't get your fast, fast pace quick enough. So this kind of happens even as you go towards towards longer distances. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be awfully hard to break four hours in the marathon if you can't break two hours in a half marathon. They all kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they domino towards each other.
0: Right. So Once you have that checkpoint race, you can then use, or maybe say you already kind of know, maybe this is not your first race. It's not the first time, you know, you've run this distance or race this distance. So you've had past races and have an idea of what you are capable of. Um, Make sure it is a race that is relatively um, recent. You know, we don't want to base your pacing strategy on a race that you did five years ago or really even a year or two ago, because your life now could look very different than your life a year or two ago. So it is good to do these checkpoint races to kind of get an idea of where you are right now in this current training cycle. Um, But another reason that you could use a race to prepare for another race would be to to practice a pacing strategy. So there are a couple different types of pacing strategies out there. Um, but two of the big ones are even splits and negative splits. Okay. So even splits means that you try to. You have your goal pace and you try to hit that pace throughout the entire race. You know, Mm -hmm. every mile split is basically the same. That would be even splitting the race. A negative split means that you start the race slower and you try to make each mile faster as you go along.
1: Right. And I mean, those are two really good strategies as we get into the third concept of like, Racing for PRs. I think mm-hmm. we'll dive a little bit more into the details yes. of all your different pacing strategies, but practicing a pacing strategy mm-hmm. in your practice race seems like an awful good idea for practice racing. Right. You can also practice fueling strategies. Yes. Okay. And Angie has a wonderful story that she has definitely not shared on the podcast yet. I have about
0: shared it so many times.
1: The difference between fueling during an easy run mm-hmm. and being like, yes, I 100% can eat raisins and they're delicious on my fuel. I can, I can mm-hmm. work this. My stomach is okay with them at an easy pace. And then suddenly you're at race pace and still trying to put raisins into your mouth.
0: And they're the worst things ever. Because
1: they're, because you can't chew them.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can, I just didn't want to, I wanted <laughs> to just spit those darn things out. So being able to practice your fueling strategy while running at a harder pace is a fantastic reason to do a race in preparation for a goal race.
1: You have the raisin issue, yeah. which I totally agree with. Like sometimes things that seem kind of chewy out on like an easy run, you're like, I can totally handle this because when you're chewing, you briefly have to breathe through your nose. Mm. But when you're racing, you're not doing a whole lot of breathing through your nose, you're kind of racing pretty hard. So it's possible that anything that involves a lot of chewing is not going to work real great for you. Um, But the other thing is it's possible that at slower paces, your stomach has no issues with Mm -hmm. certain foods and suddenly they become sloshy and not digestible at faster paces. The faster you go, the less your body likes to digest food because Mm -hmm. it's too busy diverting blood to like your legs so that you can keep running so fast. So it's a good idea to practice your fueling strategy at an actual race pace to make sure that your body can actually digest your fueling strategy.
0: Right. And so you don't have to do that in a race. You can do that in one of your harder workouts, you know, during your any any day of the week.
1: Very true. But
0: why not use one of your races to do this? I know like we had a client that did this. She ran a half marathon in preparation for her full marathon. And the whole goal of the half marathon was fueling. That was it. Like she didn't care about pace or time or any of that. The only goal was fueling. And she ended up actually running a PR in the process, which is so fun, right? Which is like, um a perfect example of what we've talked about so many times of when you don't focus on the PR and you focus on other things that you can control because you can't control whether or not you run the PR you can only control some of the variables that go along you can control your fueling you can control your effort level you can control you know how hard you push your hydration all of that so by focusing on that she came out with a PR which I love to see that happen. It
1: took the stress away from the race because the only goal was fueling. Fueling generally leads to better results. And ta-da, PR.
0: PR. So- So, yeah, so that's another reason that you can use a race to prepare for another race. And finally, um, it can just help break up the boredom of a training cycle for people who love to race, because there are people out there and you might be one of them listening to this podcast that just love racing, you know, so maybe you don't want to just go out and, and run a race just for fun in the middle of a training cycle. Maybe you want that race to also be for fun, be for the community, be for that, but also get something out of that, get something else out of the race other than just fun. Um, so it can help you to prepare, you know, by using one of these other reasons, um, and just get you back out into the racing community and just, um, you know, actually another thing too, is that if you've never raced before doing a tune-up race before your goal race can be really helpful as well, because it can expose you to the racing environment, you know, to understanding like how, you know, um, how far in advance should I get there? You know, if the race is at eight, do I need
1: to get there at eight? No, you do not. You need to get there before eight.
0: Yeah, definitely get there before eight. Um, But like just kind of introduce you to the race environment in a, a lower pressure situation. That's not your goal race, but just can help you feel more comfortable so that when you show up at your goal race, at least you've done it before.
1: Right. Like this kind of reminded me of when the dog was a little puppy of trying to make sure that it had as much exposure to the environment around it as possible Yeah, in small doses. Right, Like it wasn't like, oh, you know what we should do is expose it to all these things for hours and hours at a time, small little doses of exposure and the puppy can adapt. If you've never done a race, if you're like I've done a race but they've always been small local races. I've never done like a bigger race. You're going to want to make sure that you've got some familiarity with that. Otherwise, there's all sorts of things that can show up on like a big race weekend mm-hmm. that you could you could internalize and treat that as anxiety stress-inducing. Having some familiarity some familiarity with the process just makes it a much smoother smoother thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Unlike the um 18-hour car ride that I decided to bring the puppy on before we had really taken her in the car for, you know, an hour or more. Less more than an hour.
1: In theory, <laughs> <laughs> exposing the puppy to small doses of things yes Well,
0: and we did like we brought her it's not like it was the first time in the car she that she, had she had seen the car before but. but well but a lot of times the car her car rides are like to the groomers and yep. and just like the very short car rides around town yep. and then all of a sudden we took her to ohio yep. so that was uh an adjustment it
1: was great don't it was, do that it was fun for every person in the car
0: yeah exactly Really,
1: we all loved
0: it <laughs> all right the next. Um, and then finally pacing for performance. Okay. So this is where we're going to really talk. Well, should we talk really about pacing? I guess we already kind of addressed, you know, why or how you would pace yourself based on, um, the goal for that tune up race.
1: Right. Cause it depends. Like, are you practicing a pacing strategy? Are you practicing a fueling strategy? There's a wide variety of different Mm -hmm. things. And we'll talk in here about the different specifically types of ways to pace a race,
0: but just, um, one last note on that. If you're trying to test out a pacing strategy or if you're trying to test out a fueling strategy, just choose one. Yes. You know, don't try to do both. Okay, Like we said before, we had that client that her goal was fueling and then she ended up running a PR, which was fantastic, but that was not the goal. So choose one goal for that Tune up race. Right.
1: Cause her pace was like, I want to be roughly near this pace, but she wasn't worried about it. She had a ballpark of roughly the pace that she wanted to hold, but the goal was making sure that she was fueling consistently
0: through. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk about pacing for performance, actually racing a race. And the mistake that a lot of runners make here is that they don't have any pacing strategy. They just go out Mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm just going to push myself as hard as I can for as long as I can. And that leads them to burn out too soon, oftentimes, or not, or maybe they hold themselves back and they don't reach their full potential. Like some people can go that way more often. I would say that they burn out too quickly and then they don't have enough left in the tank for the end of the race. So those last miles, depending on how long your race is (laughs) can be very, very painful, right? Um, But for some runners, they end up going out too conservatively and they don't actually reach their full potential. They probably could go a lot faster, but they went out too conservatively because they didn't really know what they were doing and didn't have a good strategy. So there's a couple different pacing strategies that we want to talk about today. And the first one is called positive splits. Now, positive splits are not a common, commonly recommended pacing strategy right it is very common for new runners to adopt this pacing strategy because like i said they often just go out too hard in the beginning and then they end up getting slower over time so positive splits means that you go out fast and then your pace slows down like positive meaning the number gets bigger the pace gets bigger um, throughout the course of the race because you Didn't do a very good job pacing yourself.
1: Right. So positive splits is different than I want to take out the like the opening. 30 seconds minute of it so I can get out of this like big cluster of people and find my spot positive splits is I'm going to run as fast as I can until I can't anymore and then your pacing essentially just drops off a cliff
0: yeah and then I'm just going to try to hold on for dear life you know this is how the baseball players run our school 5k right like this is what we see every single year the baseball players think they're going to beat Mr. Brown Mr. Brown I'm going to beat you this year my my goal is just to beat you and then like some of them like I'm just going to beat you to the gate and you're like okay like fine like if you want to sprint 200 yards to the gate, then go for it. But um, that's what happens a lot of times is that they just, you just push too hard. They try to hold on for dear life and it doesn't usually end up going the way they want.
1: It's also what happens when you tell small kids that you want them to run. Like Young kids have no concept of pacing because Mm -hmm. they can't fathom the full distance of the race, which is why positive splits show up a lot with newer runners. They're not sure how tired they're going to be in the third mile of a five k because they've never experienced racing a 5k. If you haven't experienced racing a half marathon, you're not sure how tired you're going to be during that final, like the final 5k of the half marathon. So you're not quite sure. Maybe you take it out too fast because you think that you're going to be able to hold on. Maybe you take it out too slow because Mm -hmm. you're like, no, no, no. I get really tired. I got really tired on my long run of 13. Mm -hmm. If I'm racing it, I don't want to push too fast at the beginning. The more experience you have racing, the less likely you are to positively split the race, unless it's like caused by the course itself. Yes. Like if the course starts pretty strong downhill and finishes pretty strong uphill, you're going to positive split that. Like you're, there's just not a way around that thing.
0: Yeah. So the course has a big, you know, influence on positive splitting. So positive splitting is not a bad thing. It's just more, it's just not usually the, the the goal for most people. Most people, when they go out, they want to either kind of maintain the same pace throughout the race or get faster as the race goes on. Most people don't go out saying like, I want to take out the race really, really fast in the beginning. And then I'm just going to like get slower over time. That's, you know, a lot of times people and miserable, not only that, but it can be like a confidence killer as well. Like when you are out there racing and you're trying to maintain a certain goal pace. And you just see that pace getting slower and slower with every mile that can be a big confidence killer.
1: Yes. Yes. Which pretty much anybody that's run a a longer distance race will tell you, especially because the miles just keep coming. And every time you hit another mile mark, it's slower than the one before it's, it's not like, "Hmm." like, Oh,
0: and and, and then you can feel how tired you are and you're like, want to pick it up, but you're like, I just don't have it in me. And then there's like this whole internal battle with yourself. It's just, And like I said Positive splits, like it does not always mean something negative. It does not mean anything bad. It can definitely be caused by the course, especially on hilly courses. It's
1: often just caused by really long races, right. though. It's tough to, it's, to it's hard. race a marathon. Right. It's tough Period. to race a half marathon. Yeah. These are long things, yeah. and trying to nail the pacing strategy gets tricky. Right. Okay. The next concept we want to talk about is even splits. Mm-hmm. Okay? You did a great job of explaining this in the last one. It is theoretically the fastest way to run a race. In theory, you're using the same amount of energy. You never go too big. Like In theory, what's the best way to get good mileage in your car is on a highway, no stops, no starts. You just hit that even pace and just cruise. That's, in theory, the fastest way to race, especially longer distances.
0: Right. This is just difficult to do, especially, yeah. especially when you don't have racing experience or especially when you don't have experience practicing a certain pace. Because as you get tired, your effort level is naturally going to get higher. So this is not like when we talk about even splits, we're not talking about effort level training. We're talking about the actual pace on your watch. And you guys know how much we love effort level training here at Real Life Runners. We actually don't recommend a ton of training with specific paces. We recommend most of your training be done with effort level pacing. But if you have a goal pace for a race, it is important for you to practice that pace because you have to know what that pace feels like in your body. You also need to know the difference between that pace when you are fresh at Mm -hmm. the beginning of the race and that pace towards the end of the race when you are more tired, because just to maintain the same pace is going to feel much harder. So I remember when I was in, um, when I ran the Key West half marathon, yep. we went out and the, this whole day was like a total, you know, storm. Uh, storm. Yes. I it was going to try try not to curse here, just um, storm. a blank show, right? It was a, a total blank show because yes. the race actually got pushed back by two hours because there was basically a tropical storm outside that came out of nowhere. um, And the palm trees were sideways like the wind was so strong the palm trees were sideways it was yeah. so crazy if it
1: wasn't january it would be a tropical storm yeah. you just can't technically have a tropical storm in january you can't no why not because we're at a season so it's not formed correctly so the wind doesn't ever make the circular path and so it's not actually a
0: tropical storm oh yeah yeah okay how about that mm-hmm. so look, meteorologist kevin just taught you guys something completely unrelated <laughs> to running like meteorologist kevin teaches me things all the time so um Anywho, so yes, it was in January, but we went out and my fueling strategy was all off, like, you know, because I had eaten, I woke up and I ate assuming that the race was going to be on, then the storm hits, then they postpone the race, then they postponed the race a second time. So it was just all wonky, all crazy. And so I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do my best. I'm going to like essentially abandon whatever my plan was. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to go out and run. I'm just going to run by effort. Like I was going to try to run a pacing, you know, strategy to run a PR at that race but I was like I'm just going to go out and I'm going to run by effort only. Yeah. And I ended up starting off much faster than I expected. And so when I got to mile 10, mile 9, 10, 11, my body was hurting. You were exhausted. I was, I was hurting. And so I was like, just stick with these people. Just make, main, main, make sure that your pace doesn't go above nine minutes, you know? Cause I was like at that point holding like an eight 58, I'm sure. like, just don't go above nine, you know? Like, because I had built in like a, a buffer because I did, um, go faster in the beginning of the race, which again is not usually recommended, but that's just the way it worked out.
1: We'll get to why that might be recommended Yeah,
0: because it was effort level, not pace Uh that I was focusing on. But anyway, um, yes, I don't know where I was going with this, but in theory, holding that even pace throughout the race is, you know, ideal.
1: I mean, one of the top U S men's marathoners, Jared Ward has done like graduate research on this. Like he's got a, a think he has a PhD at this point in time, but he's done a ton of research. And at the last U.S. Olympic trials, his opening half marathon and his second half of the half marathon were within one second of each other.
0: Oh, like, right!
1: that's how spot on it is. That's how much he believes in it.
0: So we're going to talk about that in a little bit here. Yeah.
1: There are other times where even splits might not be the most ideal thing. Negative splits we've talked about. Okay. Negative splits are tricky especially if you don't have a lot of experience in racing because people get you so excited at the start of races. There's like a DJ there. They're screaming into a microphone. Who's excited for the race? You're all pumped up. Your heart rate gets elevated Mm -hmm. and then they shoot off a gun and you might take that opening mile a little faster than you would if someone just calmly walked up to you and said, you're going to run for the next two hours start like that would be a very different pace than the music going and everybody cheering and a gun goes off and people start flying. It's either way, it's a half marathon, but one of them you're excited and you take off really, really fast. So the negative split, you have to counter all of that. Mm -hmm. You have to have all of this patience at the beginning to be like, I'm going to take it out extra slow and it's okay that people are pulling away from me. And it's okay that I'm slower than the goal pace that I'm aiming for. Right. So if people pulling away from you and your watch beeping at you that you're off of pace is going to cause a huge amount of stress to you. Now that's just, that's wasted energy on mental stress. Mm -hmm. So negative splitting is something that you've got to practice repeatedly so that you can get comfortable with taking it out easy Mm -hmm. and, and have that confidence that you'll be able to come back and charge strong towards the end of the race.
0: Right. So the whole, Point of negative splits and like starting off the race slower than your goal pace is to help conserve energy so that you have more left towards the middle and the end of the race, because the whole concept of negative splitting is starting out slower and then gradually getting faster as the race progresses. And in order to do that, like that, those beginning, that beginning chunk of the race helps you to just kind of like conserve and then really push harder towards the end.
1: Right. And part of this is just such an awareness of Like how excited do you want to be for the race? Mm -hmm. And I think this was one of a myriad of things that I got wrong when trying to race a hundred miles. I think that I was too excited at the start and I'll be honest, I was, I was doing my best to try to stay calm, but you know, there's some excitement to the start of it. I'm pretty sure that that opening mile was a good minute and a half faster than the goal pace for the Mm -hmm. opening mile. And you know, that it's just one of the things that happened. It's going to be Okay.
0: So how do you think that that affected you with the rest of the race?
1: So I think that
0: because when you're thinking it's so sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but when you're thinking about a hundred mile race that you're attempting here, yeah. you're like, oh, the first mile was too fast. And it's like, dude, you still have 99 miles to go. Like, so how did that, that first mile actually affect it?
1: Cause it's, it's a momentum thing mm. is the first mile is so quick. So then I'm looking at like, I, I wasn't actually looking at my watch at this point, but I know I'm like, I'm probably going a little bit too fast. I should start slowing down a little bit, but there's one thing to slow down when you're close close. close to the pace. You're like, I just pull back just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I tried to pull back a little bit, but then I needed to pull back a little bit more. If you take it out way too fast, it's hard to pull back enough to get to the pace that you actually want to go to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. Okay, but it's actually kind of related to the next concept that I wanted to cover here, yeah. Which is what's kind of it dubbed like the U curve of pacing, mm-hmm. which is honestly what you did at Key West.
0: So this is an interesting one because this is a newer pacing strategy, right? I mean, I'm sure people have used it in the past.
1: People naturally default to this, right. actually. But
0: it's but it's been talked about more recently. Yes. Because like you said, there's been research done on it.
1: A lot of research on it. Like an enormous amount of research where people are pulling in like marathon files and Strava files and doing like massive metadata analysis. All
0: right. So let's talk about what is the U-curve pacing strategy?
1: Okay. So this study came out that they were tracking world records of like the 1500 and the the 3000, the 5000, the 10,000, all of these like mid-distance races. Mm -hmm. And it actually still works even with the marathon that... Everybody takes it out a little bit quick, Mm -hmm. then falls into a pace that's roughly their goal pace, and then finishes fast. Yeah. And it happens. Every single world record that's been set in any sort of mid to longer distance race all has the exact same strategy. The fastest portion of every single, almost every single world record is the final kilometer of the 10K. Mm Mm-hmm. Almost every single one. The only exception was the one that went out extra fast that the first and the last kilometer were basically the same, but almost every single person's like, well, they, they take it out quick. They hold onto a pace that they're pretty confident they can go with, which is what happened with your Key West race. Right. You took it out quick. You were like, well, as long as I can keep them under nine. So it was, it wasn't like, you know, hanging on by your nails. It was somewhat steady. And then you were able to kick at the end because well, you always I, kick. Well,
0: most of it was more at like that 8:30 pace. Because yep. like my the beginning miles, like miles two and three, I ended up going through, kind of coming through in like an 8:08 and 8:09 an yep. pace. And I looked at my watch and I was like, oh shoot, oh boys, oh goodness, that's all that's early in the race to be seeing those numbers, <laughs> right? And so the the pacing did get slower. I'd actually be interested to go back and look at my pacing splits for that race, yeah, because I know that I ended up getting just slower throughout. I don't think that last mile was faster because um, my calf was on the verge of cramping, remember? And I was like trying to push it, but my calf, like if I tried to go a little bit faster, it it was like two, you know, tenths of a hair away from just like totally seizing up on me. Yeah.
1: You probably actually did (laughs) not have a kick in that one because every time you tried to like extend the stride, it was like, nope, I'm going to tighten on you. My calf
0: was like, no, thank you. So yeah. So that's the goal is like, well, this is actually... So is this actually the goal that people use, the strategy that people use now because of all of this research that has been done on it?
1: Yeah, I think that this one is, it's remarkably close to even splitting. Yeah. Like even splitting in theory, you see the finish line and you're like, I mean, I should sprint because i will get there faster, but I've got my even pace. That's not what anybody does. When you see the finish line, everybody's got a kick and you're like, there's no way I'm going to kick. I'm exhausted. You're at the back end of the marathon. You've got like, you know, the quarter mile to go or the 10th of a mile and a half marathon. And you're like, there's no way I could go faster than this. And you come around the turn and you see the finish line and suddenly you're going faster. Some people are going. You can
0: always find another gear.
1: Some people. people are going way faster, Mm -hmm. but everybody's got a little bit more because if you're chasing the clock, one second is still one more second faster. So everybody's going to have that little bit extra that if you ask that person, can you pick up the pace a mile ago? They didn't. Mm -hmm. It was physically not within them because your brain stops you from going faster sooner than you possibly can. But as soon as you can actually see the finish line, it's not this like, theoretical how much further do I have Mm -hmm. I have to get until I see that until that sign Mm -hmm. like that's all I have to do you know there's a a cross-country race that we run every year that the kids come down this hill Mm -hmm. and they have to make like a big U and until they're actually facing the direction of the finish line, Mm -hmm. it's tough to gauge how far you are. Mm -hmm. And I've told them all you're one lap of the track from the finish line, but not all of them fully grasp what that is, or some of them start to pick it up. And then finally they come around the turn and they can see the finish line Mm -hmm. and boom, suddenly the jets are just flying on this one.
0: Right. So if you wanted to use the U-curve strategy, Yep how would you break up your, like the miles of the race? Like, is there a certain percentage when you say you start quick? Like, do you mean that opening, the opening third, the opening 10th of the race, like 20, the first 20% of the race? Like, how do you know, like, what it, like, what percentage you kind of break it down?
1: I think it differs by what distance it is. Yeah. And the whole idea of taking it out quick. If, if you're running like a marathon, a half marathon, taking it out quick does not mean I'm on 5k pace. Like you do not have to be that quick, but the U curve is a great idea to be like, I want to make sure that I get out. I'm comfortable. I've got some like clearance Mm -hmm. of the people around me, especially if the, if the race gets big and crowded, pushing for the opening half mile kilometer, Mm -hmm. like something to the, the first few minutes of a half marathon, a
0: marathon, right? And so we're not talking about sprinting, but I, I think it's basically like just allow your allowing yourself to go with the adrenaline that you're feeling at yep. the start of a race, yep. right? So it's not like you're going out and you're trying to sprint and you're trying to like get around people. Like I mean, maybe there's a little bit of that, but. You, it's really just going out and kind of letting that adrenaline take over so that you're not fighting it as much. Because yes. sometimes, if you're going out and like you have all of this adrenaline, you know, pumping throughout your body and your your body wants to go faster and you're consciously pulling yourself back, that can actually be more tiring than just allowing yourself to go with the flow.
1: Yeah, very much so. Unless you've really practiced pulling yourself back, like mm-hmm. we talked about during the negative splits.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Anything else on the U curve?
1: No, I think that kind of covers U curve. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Chasing times versus racing other people.
0: Okay. Using this as a pacing strategy.
1: Yes. Okay. And, and the differences of pacing strategies that might be best served for you if you're racing the clock versus if you're racing other people around you. Mm -hmm. And most people listening when they get into races are probably, let's be honest, chasing the number on the clock, chasing the number on their wrist, like whatever it is, they probably have a time in mind Mm -hmm. and maybe they're keying in on other people around them. uh, You know, especially in the middle part of the race where you're like, you're slowing down. So you're like, well, if I can just keep up with the guy in the red shirt or the girl in the, you know, what the girl in the yellow skirt, girl in the skirt. Yep.
0: Yep. Like she, whoever she pulled it is, me to my 10K.
1: There you go. Yep. Whoever you're trying to follow, that's that's just using other people to try to maintain keeping up with the clock. Yeah. When I say racing others, I mean the distance of the race is irrelevant. You're just actually trying to beat another person. At this point, time doesn't matter. Like I've used these strategies in like our school 5K. Yep. I've run really dumb pacing strategies. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I've won the race.
0: Because you're just racing another person. Yeah.
1: Because like I'm, I am I like to chat with people in the opening, like mile or so of a 5k and try and feel out how this is going to go with them. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing in the Key West half marathon. It, there was a few of us. I asked the names of the other people around. I asked what the guy was shooting for. And he told me how fast he was aiming for. That was a bad choice on his part. He should not have told me (laughs) what he was aiming for because I knew if I took it 20 seconds faster for the next mile, that he was immediately going to disappear because it was too fast for him to be going. Mm -hmm. And it was not so fast that I couldn't recover from it. Mm -hmm. So is, was it the best idea to throw a random surge in at mile three in the half marathon? No, that was not going to lead me the fastest time, but my goal was winning. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done a 5K where these like high school kids try and, and beat me, but that 5K around our school, I don't even know how many times I've run that loop. Yeah. Like, countless times I've run that loop. So I know exactly where every little split is. So I threw just an all out quarter mile in the middle of the race. This guy had no idea what was coming and he didn't know why I was doing it. He was confused. And so he simply gave up. He didn't try to go with me. And so when it made a 90 degree turn and I disappeared for him, he didn't know that I took a walking break to catch my breath. He thought that I had just blown his doors off and that he didn't have a chance of catching back up.
0: Yeah. And I think this is a very interesting way to run a race that most <laughs> recreational runners have not really thought about yep. because we've thought we talk all the time about how wonderful the running community is and how supportive it is and how we're all there just encouraging other people and running this race and you know, the, the other people around you, especially in longer races, yep. you kind of get to know them sometimes like oh, yeah. you, you, you talk talk to them a little bit. You encourage them along. They start walking. You're like, come on, let's Let's go, go. let's go, let's go do this together. And that's such a beautiful thing about the running community. So a lot of recreational runners, I don't think have experienced racing like this. (laughs) And so what is the benefit? So you obviously, okay, hold on. So you your goal when you enter a race many times is to try to win the race. Yes. Right. Like, and so for most of us that have no chance of winning a race, why would we use this pacing strategy?
1: I asked you that question. Yeah. Like that, no, I I turn the question back to you. Is I'm okay. not entirely sure what the benefit of this is outside of pure fun.
0: Okay. So first, okay, so let's just talk about this um, for people let's address people that are actually trying to win the race because we do have some of those, like we have some people in our training Academy that like do go out and try to win local races. Right. Um, or even winning an age group, I think too. I think this is another good strategy to use. If you're trying to get on the podium, there are a lot of people that go out and run their local races and they love, you know, getting on the podium for local races. And you guys know, just like we were talking about speedo man earlier in the episode, there are people that show up at the races that, you know, that you at least recognize and you're like, that girl always wins first place. That girl always wins third place, Mm -hmm. you know, like, or whatever it might be. I want to beat that girl today. So this would be a great strategy to use if you want to actually, um, you know, get on the podium in a race.
1: Right. So this is when you have to go through all these different pacing strategies Mm -hmm. is positive splitting going to be the best thing for you. Like
0: maybe, right. Yeah. Maybe it would be.
1: I could, I could positive split a 5k and probably beat a lot of people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. even if they could out race me in a 5k, because a lot of people, if they're training for a 5k, don't have the volume of training that I have. Yeah. Like my mileage per week is higher than a lot of other Mm -hmm. recreational runners in the area that are training to run a 5k every, you know, every month they're going to race a 5k. Great. I can probably beat that guy simply by taking the opening mile out so fast. That they're going to be like, well, that guy's gone mm-hmm. and they will, they will stop trying to catch up. Yeah. There are other people. You where, take
0: them out of the game mentally. I
1: take them out of the game mentally. Right. There are other people where it's like, okay, that guy can probably beat me. So if I can try to slow the pace down as much as possible, mm-hmm. which is what I did in college cross country, mm-hmm. there was another guy, we were both seniors running intramural cross country also training for the Chicago Marathon. Mm-hmm. And in the the last race of the like, cross-country series, at one point I got in front of him and slowed the pace down so much that the two of us were just jogging because he would just let me just control the pace the entire time. Mm-hmm. He knew he had a better kick than I did. He knew that if the two of us came around the final turn shoulder to shoulder, he was going to outkick me and there was nothing I could do to stop him. Mm -hmm. He just had better high end speed than I did. And so I got it to a point where it was like, Mm -hmm. all right, if I'm going to control the pace, we're going to be running eight minute pace through this. And we were used to running like 520,
0: 530
1: pace. So starting at a mile and a half into the 5k, I was like, yep. And the pace is going to be back at seven. And now it's at seven 30 and he was tripping over his own feet because he couldn't, he couldn't control himself. And he that refused
0: case. to take the lead. He
1: refused to take the lead. So I just kept making it slower and slower until he would take the lead. He finally took the lead and I tucked in right on his shoulder. And now I'm breathing hard on his shoulder. He hates leading races. He just <laughs> hates doing it because all you can do is hear a guy breathing on your shoulder. So now I'm like purposely panting on the guy's shoulder <laughs> And at this point, you guys
0: are all seeing the dark side of Kevin now. <laughs> Everyone thinks Kevin's so nice.
1: I like racing; <laughs> it's fun. Um, and I love, I love teaching the kids in our cross country team good racing race, strategies. Yeah. It's fun.
0: It's fun when they get to that point, you know, because yeah. you can't teach them that stuff too early. No, it's it, like later in their running career when you start to teach them this, and then they have so much fun with at it. First, you yeah. got to just
1: make sure people can complete a five k and then right. complete a five k faster, and then you can start some of these strategies. Mm-hmm. But when you're in second place you're the person who gets to decide when you're making the move. And the person in front of you knows at some point it's coming, but they don't know when. Yeah. Maybe they think that they're in charge, but if you're sitting in second place, knowing to yourself when we pass that tree, I'm going to go and this guy has no idea it's coming. And that's exactly what happened. It's
0: It's like a little secret you have.
1: Right. I knew a secret and he didn't know. He probably had a guess that yeah. This was the plan that at some point I was just going to shoot past him and grind it to the finish line and hope that he had no more kick. Uh-huh. And it turned out the answer was it was around a half mile. Cause there was like, there was a spot on the course where it was a sharp left, another sharp left. And we made the first turn and I just, all out as hard as I could go. And I knew I couldn't hang on to that all face. the way to the finish, but it was going to be, I'm going all out right now. So if you would like to still be here and try and out kick me, you better go now. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, okay, I guess you're going now. Mm-hmm. I saw him at the finish line.
0: Yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, and that sounds really fun to do it's that fun. way. Like, and I I think that that's one of the things it that- It to
1: fun stories.
0: But both of you had the goal of winning. Yes. So- Someone in like the middle of the pack or the back of the pack using that strategy, if you're like, huh, I'm gonna outrace this person, that person doesn't know they're racing you. <laughs> Right? Like Then it's like, does is it really as fun? Does it really work? You, do you see what I'm saying?
1: Well, this is where <laughs> finding people that you raced against repetitively yeah. where you talk about like in your local community, yeah. you're like, oh, okay, well that person and I are often battling each other for right. who gets on the age group podium. Mm-hmm. That person and I are often battling for fastest female, fastest masters. Mm-hmm. Like whatever the category is, maybe you recognize this person. Then I think you can directly race them. Yeah. There may be hundreds of people in the race. Mm -hmm. But as far as you're concerned, there's two, maybe there's three and you guys can race each other because you recognize each other. When you start that familiarity, then racing comes up.
0: I think that you can also just pick a random person that you're going to decide that you're going to keep up with or try to race. And then you can kind of see how people react in the race also, Uh, right? Because there are definitely like, especially as a girl, like when you pass a guy Guys don't always like that. Like some some guys don't care, right? right. But then there's those always those guys that like want to keep up with you, or you pass them and now they it, it's their job to then pass you right back. Of course, right? They don't want to let you too far ahead of them. So someone like that might be
1: now you know you're racing that person. Right. Then yeah, if you, you, pass, you
0: kind of find those people.
1: If you pass a guy yeah. and he's immediately back up on your shoulder, now you're in a race with that person.
0: Mm-hmm. Or like say he passes me, then I can kind of tuck behind him and yep. do the thing that you were talking yeah. about and then try beat him at the end it's just it's fun <laughs> to
1: play and it doesn't always work out right it's, sometimes you lose the races like there were three cross-country races and i did not win all the cross-country races but i learned about this guy in the first race and i employed the strategy in the third one mm-hmm. I, I can't remember how the second one went um I, I think he may have won the first two and then I got him on the third one, mm-hmm. but you, you learn some things and you just have a blast doing it. Like yeah. this is the other thing is it takes the the racing for competition, the racing for PR and connects it back to the first strategy it can still be fun racing can still be fun if you if you win the race if you lose the race if you get out kicked at the race if you hit the pr if you don't because you're trying new things and racing itself can just be a fun experience
0: yeah i think that's that's it is really just tapping into that competitive spirit yeah because you don't have to be racing the clock every single time and i think that we as recreational runners get so bogged down in those numbers mm-hmm. in the clock in not being as fast as we were a year ago or whatever it might be that going in with a fresh perspective might bring some more fun and more joy into the running or the racing experience. Yeah, I
1: mean, you like, you love tapping into curiosity. Yeah, Nothing is quite as curious as what if I race this person that I've never seen before in my life? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea how fast that person is. So it makes it interesting.
0: Right. And then maybe in the middle of that race, that person kind of falls off and you're like, okay, that person's gone. Let me pick a new person to race. Exactly, Right. So it doesn't have to always be the same person that you're racing that you can pick and choose different people throughout the race to uh, just become your secret competitors. Yeah. Yeah,
1: There's, there's a lot of different pacing strategies and they can be fun to try different things and see, see what you like. You know, it also connects back to the, the practice races, Mm -hmm. try these different strategies, which one feels the most comfortable. And just because something feels comfortable when you race a 5k doing it does not mean that's the same strategy that's going to feel most comfortable doing a half marathon.
0: Totally. Well, and I think that this also does not take away from that spirit of the running community. Like we were talking about how we all support each other, because one of my favorite things to see when I watch elite races, when I watch the professionals race, or when I watch the Olympics is these guys and girls are racing all out. Like they all want that gold medal. And at the end, they, they congratulate each other. They hug each other, right? Like
1: they're
0: right. They're genuinely happy for the other person. Like they might be disappointed in themselves. They might be disappointed in their performance, but oftentimes they are genuinely happy for that other person, especially if it's, you know, someone from the same country. Yeah, of course. You know, they can all celebrate each other. So we can be competitive with each other. We can pick these people to race so that we're not always racing the clock and still be happy for them at the end also, because who knows, maybe you pull them to a PR, Yep. You know, like I know I've had friends like that where my goal has been like just to keep up with my friends. Yep. And then it became, okay, well, what if I could actually beat this person? And it's caused me to end up running a PR race yep. because, and, and it's not because I want to be better than them or anything like that. It's just like, okay. Like it's just one more thing, one more strategy you can use to help push yourself to a level that you might not get to otherwise.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's a great way to push yourself.
0: Yeah. All right, you guys. So that's what we have for you today. So we hope that you found this episode helpful and we would love to know what pacing strategy you are using in your next race. Okay. So head over to real life runners on Instagram and send me a DM and let me know what pacing strategy you plan on using for your next race so as always thank you so much for listening thank you for sharing the show thank you to all of you that have written us a review or left a rating on itunes or a star rating on spotify we really appreciate it and that helps us to reach new people every week and spread the running love thank you for being here with us today this has been the real life runners podcast episode number 298 now get out there and run your life